This is a 3CR community radio podcast. In Psychedelia is broadcast every Sunday from 2pm. For more info on anything you hear in the show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. Good afternoon and welcome to Encyclopedia uh, for your Sunday afternoon, uh, the first Sunday of autumn, and it's feeling like autumn as well. Wait, first Sunday? Yeah, yeah, it is the first Sunday of autumn. I've got, got, um, got that over there. I've got uh, Stephen Bright in the studio with me, for, uh, Dr. Stephen Bright, I should say, uh, from AOD Media Watch, and we are going to be uh, having a look at some of the uh, some of the issues uh, shortly, uh, which the news has been reporting poorly on, and the uh, academic crowd have been responding to, so we'll be uh, talking that uh, in just a tick, and uh, uh, thank you also to Freedom of Species. Uh, very interesting program today. If you want to find out more about Freedom of Species, you can head on to the 3CR website, follow the links to their page. Uh, you can subscribe to their podcast there. Uh, while you're there, head to Encyclopedia's program page. Subscribe to our podcast as well. Uh, find us on social media and get in contact with us. Uh, on this show, we do discuss discuss a wide variety of issues around drugs. Uh, we, we're, we're neither condoning nor condemning. We're here to discuss the issues uh, and, and see what's going on. Analyze the landscape, I suppose you might say. Uh, Ash will be in shortly, and we're going to uh, go to some news uh, in uh, just a ticket. We've also got a, a chat with uh, Miss Guidance from uh, the Nimbin Hemp Embassy, uh, who was recently over in uh, the US and in Canada, uh, having a, a research trip uh, to see uh, what's been going on with legal cannabis in uh, Washington and uh, Oregon and... A, a, a bit of a bizarre market in, uh, I think it's British Columbia in Canada, um, where it's, it's not legal, but there are people certainly doing some things. So uh, we'll find out about that shortly right now. And psychedelia news of the week. I don't condone or advocate that everyone should use illicit drugs. I think it's a, a huge decision made with the right amount of research and forethought. The intention is to discourage ICE use. The actual effect is it encourages the stigmatisation of people who use this drug. The risk there is people are less likely to disclose their use, even when they're experiencing some issues, so they're less likely to access essential health services. The potential for harm increases. People feel hesitant to be open about who they are because they're afraid of judgment from family members or people at work or or just people in society in general. Many of them have conservative mindsets regardless of their politics uh, and will just say, oh well, then the, the, the government are not looking after us and therefore it seems a law and order issue rather than a a social problem that needs to be dealt with on, on a public health basis. Drug news from Melbourne and around the world. Uh, first off, Friday was the uh, first international uh, day of drug checking uh, celebration, and uh, in Melbourne, uh, we had a, a, a bit of a, a celebratory uh, do hangout. We uh, were at Fed Square and then at Parliament House on Friday afternoon, and uh, we were discussing uh, drug checking issues, uh, but in a uh, in a jovial manner, I suppose you might say. Um, we had uh, uh, thank you very much to the the radioactive crew who lent us their 
uh, amplifier in a bin, uh, which was actually very impressive. Um, and yeah, we, we will have some video and some audio for you probably next week, uh, just uh, from from the day. So that was the uh, International Day of Drug Checking. I think Ash is just about to walk into the studio. Um, there is uh, oh, news this week out of South Africa, where a interesting court case has led to the... Uh, the sort of, uh, I, I want to say it's the legalization of cannabis, but it's not legalized. But uh, a court case has meant that people now have a right, uh, well, they, they have a right to privacy. And if people are using cannabis privately, the courts found that uh, they shouldn't be able to uh, be getting um, prosecuted for that. So in a roundabout kind of way, South Africa said, yeah, you have a, a private right to use cannabis. Uh, so uh, a lot of people have taken that as uh, legalised, and apparently there is a discussion about legalising uh, cannabis in um, in South Africa, but uh, that is still a little bit off. Uh, Ash, welcome. Hello. <laughs> One of those days where I cut it really fine. Yeah, have, you, have, you got, have you got some news off there? <laughs> I, I do. Um, just on that South Africa case, I think it was interesting. One of the main people that was behind the legalisation push um, one of the reasons he got involved is he was studying to be a lawyer. And when it came to getting accredited as a lawyer, they cited a previous cannabis conviction for personal use many years ago and kind of <laughs> screwed him on that. Wow. And um, when he was arguing for it, he was doing so on the human rights grounds that he had a right to religious use because he was a Rastafarian. Um, that I think that failed that push in 2012. So I'm not sure exactly the the basis behind the legal ruling like i think you're right when you when you said it was um the right to privacy was the the kind of human rights argument uh behind the court's decision yeah i was reading a bit about um his story as well i think it was uh what was his name uh Jer jeremy acton was it is that the guy uh no it was uh or a different one anyway um yeah the the ruling was uh uh, yeah, the, the High Court declared that the law was unconstitutional to uh, ban people from privately using cannabis, which was, uh, yeah, very, very interesting uh, over from uh, South Africa. Uh, news. Well, I had one, but it's uh, kind of related to AOD Media Watch, and we've got oh, well, Stephen we'll, Bright in the studio, <laughs> so I, I, gonna, I'll put that one aside. Yeah, we're going to do that um, shortly, actually, so um, we're going to finish some new there's news. There's been then... a couple of things from overseas about, I, I guess you could say, the, the sinister side of the illegal cannabis market. There was an article from The Guardian in the UK that talked about um, human trafficking and um, some Vietnamese children that had been used in the cultivation of cannabis over there, which is we've seen a similar kind of thing here with various organised crime elements. There was an article that came out, I think, in 2015 that talked about um, gambling addicts that had been targeted down at Crown Casino, particularly amongst the Vietnamese organised crime groups. They would target, uh, in particular, Vietnamese women, and when they had very large debts, they would... Um, coerce them into uh, crop sitting, it's called, where they would basically mine the crops and then the, the criminals behind the whole operation had like a cutout. So the, the person that got arrested and found at, at the scene of the crime, as it were, um, was not anyone that could lead them to mm. or was part of the, the broader like a, like organized crime person. establishment. Mm. So, yeah. So it looks like a similar thing happening in the UK, but a little bit more sinister. Mm. And... Um, 
you know, and this isn't to denigrate any particular community. This one just happens to be talking about the Vietnamese community. So, um. Drug safety concerns cloud Bushdorf Yamea Festival with council denying permit roars, the ABC. Uh, there's been a couple of stories, uh, a couple of uh, papers that have picked up on this. And I've noticed a bit of a trend over the past few years of uh, Bushdorf's getting uh, noticed by the media, been in a, in a particularly negative way almost Almost all of the time, every now and then you'll see one where a photographer from the paper has gone out and taken some nice pictures and gone, oh, look at this, isn't this pretty? Uh, But most of them seem to be around uh, permits or um, post-event sort of uh, policing propaganda. Uh, What's happened, Yamea Festival is a festival coming up um, in about uh, two, well, meant to be in about two weeks' time. Unfortunately, one of their permits uh, has not been granted granted by the lot on... Uh, Shire uh, in northern Victoria. Uh, they're claiming concerns over safety. Um, the the permit, I'm, I'm not sure how long ago it would have been lodged, but I imagine what generally happens with these things is it's lodged months in advance and then the council do nothing about it until weeks before and then they go, oh, no, you, you can't have that one. Um, I don't know if that's the case here because... Uh, I wasn't at the council meeting, so I don't know uh, what's exactly been going on. Uh, you may are being um, very uh, good about it. They've put out a, a, an announcement and said, look, we, we haven't got it yet. We're hoping uh, that they will grant it um, once we you know, respond to some of their concerns. Um, and they are looking at another location or um, possibly changing the date as well. And uh, a, a lot of people are now a bit concerned uh, that... Um, Matreya, which was another festival that was going on, had this happen and uh, weren't able to refund a lot of people's tickets and have been uh, a bit maybe uh, deceptive in the way uh, that they have been promoting uh, other events that have never quite gone ahead and they've done that about three times now with all this like... You know, promotional hoo-ha and... Yeah. yeah. On, on the uh, cancellation and refund uh, sort of side of things, an announcement came from um, the Burning Seed uh, Festival this week. It's been quite a process. That festival was flooded out uh, in was it August, September last year. And um, the insurance claim, they did have insurance, so they've been kind of responsible in that sense that um, they had uh, insurance to refund people's tickets. But it's been quite a battle if anyone's had to deal with these large-scale uh, insurance claims. It's quite a process involved. There's lots of paperwork to be lodged. There's lots of backwards and forwards and, I guess, delaying tactics from the insurance companies. But it looks like that's come through, so people should be getting their refunds from that very soon. So and, um sort of puts it in perspective. It does take a bit of time for these. Big, most of these well, events are multi-million-dollar right. events now. This is Yeah, you know, and there was a lot of outlays production. that were um, you know couldn't be refunded, so that money yeah. had been spent on certain things deposits had been made getting equipment different people had been allocated money and and spent some of that um so it's not just a matter of the the money sitting there and can be returned straight away um those expenses need to be justified to an insurance company there's quite a process to it but um they've been pretty good about it in putting out regular updates and i think that's about as good as anyone can really do in these in these situations yep yep uh and opposite well uh uh uh, Peluik, I think is uh, her, na- her last name. I can't quite pronounce that one. She's uh, calling for a community safety forum uh, out in um, the southeastern metropolitan region, out in Cranbourne sort of way, uh, to talk about safety concerns she has around the injection facility. Uh, she she uh, says, and uh, let me uh, find where she... Oh, 
so she'd obviously be talking about the needle and syringe program there. No, no. So she's talking no. about the medically supervised injecting center. Uh, Inga is um, generally pretty anti-drug type person. Yeah. And uh, her safety concerns are along the lines of, oh, if we do this, we're basically being permissive to people that take drugs. And what they need is a hard, you know, hard word. But, but how does that fit with Cranbourne, given that the, the focus has been on the Richmond uh, medicalized injecting, super, supervised injecting facility? Uh, she, okay, so she says... Uh, this position on, well, she says, I am confident that the community would reject this white flag response. This position on the scourge of drugs and callous disregard of the harm it causes drug addicts who need access to rehab beds and professional help to get off drugs, their families and the harm caused to the community is not a position that is widely held by ordinary people or the Casey community. Drug injecting facilities are also in conflict with our international obligations and multi-pronged national drug strategy which focuses on harm minimization, demand reduction and supply reduction. That, and that is a, that, that's yeah. actually a complete lie. There is nothing about a medically supervised injecting centre that contradicts our international obligations under yeah. the three UN treaties. It's it's a fabrication, and I think that she fails to understand our national drug strategy I, if absolutely. she's ever I, cast eyes on it. I think the way that uh, she's uh, the what the reason why she wants to do it in the southeastern um, area is because that's where she's an MP for. But also, uh, uh, it's a bit of a Bible belt out there. It is there. a bit of a Bible ah. belt out there. I think the other churches. thing going on here is um, it's frustrating. There's been a couple of government uh, opposition ministers from the Liberal Party that have come out with statements like this um, in the last week. And, um, you know, when they call for extra rehab beds, you know, my first thought is, why didn't you do something about it when you're in government? You didn't actually fund that. If you think it's a priority now, well, that's great. If you ever get in government again, I'll hold you to it. I'll write you letters every week asking whether you're asking whether you're demanding the government increase funding for rehab beds. Australian Six Party MP um, Fiona Patton responded to uh, Miss Pellewick's uh, calls uh, as well and said, yes, let's have a community safety forum. Um, I'd like to come along and discuss this with the community as well. And I think it's really important, if that does happen, that the community that is represented in that room is not uh, is not dominated by what I suspect would be uh, church groups and church community groups, which uh, have, a, have a very uh, specific focus and a very specific way of going about the politics. Uh, you know, you've got a captive audience every Sunday uh, can be a, a handy thing. Um, and Fiona said uh, that immediately after a speech to Parliament, uh, she welcomed any conversation about drug law reform strategies and benefits to the community. And she says, rather than ending the needle nightmare residents are facing, she's happier dreaming up stories about the sex party. Inga needs to wake up and listen to the evidence. There are significant drug issues in her own region and residents deserve policies that work rather than more of the same, which has made no impact. Thank you, Fiona. <laughs> uh, in a big announcement this week, um, the government has announced the new Melbourne Drug Court is going to be starting operation soon. Um, we had a little bit of a heads up at Encyclopedia on this issue when Tony Parsons spoke at the Support Don't Punish event last year, um, uh, preempting the announcement, uh, you know, saying that they're going to be expanding the operations of the drug court. Um, this is based on a model that's been operating out of Dandenong, the drug court there for several years. And um, it's interesting that the opposition attorney 
General John Pesuto has slammed the scheme, which um, provides incentives for people that uh, pass regular drug tests um, to be in the program. It, it's not for low-level offenders. It's for people that otherwise would probably go into the uh, being incarcerated in, in the prison system. And they have this opportunity to, to work a lot more closely with social workers and um, psychologists and things to work through their, their drug addiction issues um, in, in a different framework to uh, what would happen in just the criminal justice system where they don't have quite as uh, focused support. And um, it's had a lot of success in decreasing recidivism. Recidivism uh, Australia-wide is around 40% at the moment, so there's a real need. And what that means is that that's a measure of um, how many people go back into the criminal justice system within two years of being released from prison. So this is the kind of system that can hopefully turn that around and recognise that people with um, drug abuse issues often have... um, a complex range of, of life circumstances, potentially mental health conditions, you know, low education, not much access to jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a good move. Um, I think it's interesting that the the shadow attorney general has slammed it because what happened when um, when the Liberal Party got elected um, back in, what was it, like 2009 or something, that the last time they were in, in Victoria, the um, Shadow Attorney General at the time said similar stuff. I think it was Robert Clark off the top of my head. And then when they actually got into power and looked at the stats on the drug court, they quietly scrapped that election <laughs> promise to um, scrap the drug court. Mm. So hopefully it's just rhetoric. And if they did get back into power, they would reconsider g- giving given the success of the program. Uh, for more uh, of that news, if you want to go see if, see and read some of the stories that we've been talking about, uh, follow us on Facebook uh, or Twitter. Uh, you can find us in Psychedelia. Um, and if that's hard to spell, the 3CR website is the place to go, 3cr.org.au. We're going to go to some AOD Media Watch. All right, Dr. Stephen Bright. Um, AOD Media Watch, what have you been keeping your eye on Lately, well, just maybe just to give you a bit of a background as to what AOD Media Watch is, it's it's based on the same premise as the ABC uh, show, and uh, the idea was incepted by myself uh, last year after reading a piece uh, on news.com. Um, which was in which was titled DMT becoming more popular in Australia. Oh, yes. And I, uh, I I wrote I wrote to Paul from from AOD uh, from from Media Watch ABC Media Watch didn't didn't get a response and and that's where I realised that 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 we needed to um, have a, a, a specific um, outlet to focus on these uh, many issues that are that are that are arising uh, in the media with regard to alcohol and other drug use issues. And so, you know, with that initial story uh, written by Olivia Lambert, it, it contains significant information, including the fact that there was no evidence that DMT was becoming more popular in Australia. In fact, her key expert said the same. Hmm. Uh, and uh, her key expert was uh, Mr. Labide, who's um, come up oh. in a few of our stories over, over since we've, we've since we've launched AOD Media Watch. This, and this is a uh, director of a chemical analysis company. Yeah, yeah. So he's doing a bit of a, uh, media advertising. Yes. you know, <laughs> it's in his interest to to ramp up some moral panic. But he actually said that there is um, there is no evidence that DMT use is increasing. But he did um, he did cite concerns around um, synthetic manufacture of DMT, which seemed which was quite odd as well. 
well. I mean, there's no evidence to indicate that that, that would be the case, given that Australia's flora mm-hmm. is full of DMT and it's yeah. very easy to extract. So yes. <laughs> I thought I thought that was, uh, you know, that, that was concerning. It was ramping up the moral panic around the story. And, um, and I guess... The story in itself, even talking about, uh, you know, some of the effects of DMT um, could have an iatrogenic effect in in leading people to become more curious about the drug and end up actually trying it. Iatrogenic. So uh, it can have an (laughs) adverse effect. It can have an adverse effect, an unintended effect. I mean... Um, I guess what we're trying to do is is look at uh, how moral panics um, can can emerge in, in the in the media um, and how they're detrimental by unpacking particular articles or, or even whole stories like the Chapel Street story um, because they can counterintuitively counterintuitively lead to people using drugs mm. that they're not aware of and more concerning they, it, it it tends to stigmatize people who use drugs and um, often the way the drugs are constructed is is, is unhelpful as well. This is that um, white bear effect, white bear being a famous experiment conducted, I think, in the late 19th century, uh, or maybe early 20th century, uh, about, um, about sort of people's uh, cognition and what they focus on and how people's focus works. And um, the white bear was, all right, we need you to not think of a white bear. And um, the, the point is that as soon as you put this idea in, into somebody's head, it doesn't matter whether you say do or don't do it, they're going to be thinking about yeah, it. You yeah. put the idea there. So this sort of a thing can can have an effect in, in drug policy, especially um, the synthetic issue. I know you, you had an article a few years ago, uh, Chronic Hysteria, um, that showed that uh, after some of the um, media scare stories around some of the uh, synthetic substances went out, Google searches went right up and, and it seems like there was a demand increase because... Absolutely, and, and that's been demonstrated worldwide with regard to methadrone with regard to prescription opiates. So so this is a potential concern. And so in addition to sort of putting the spotlight on journalists, um, really what we want to do is this, is is see the, the media reporting be more objective and be more evidence-based. And so we've actually developed some guidelines for journalists on the reporting of AOD issues. So we want to bring journalists into the into the tent when it comes to, to AOD Media Watch. And I think that's sort of where we're heading at the moment is trying to uh, get get the journalists on board and like in many other in in many other sorts of areas such as mental health there are guidelines around the reporting of these issues and mm. and so we hope that the guidelines that we've we've developed for journalists will will help improve uh, the the reporting such as ensuring that they're getting um, informed commentary from the right people yeah. and first line responders are often uh, what we see particularly with the Chapel Street incident with what happened up in the Gold Coast it was first line responders that were making comments that were uninformed and they didn't actually bring in any commentary from people with expertise in the AOD area mm. which would have Quickly clarified um, some of the some of the issues that came up, such yep. as you know fl- the the flacker a cop. A, 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 a- Apocalypse that was um that was that <laughs> was, that was <laughs> the Flacker apocalypse that was uh that was a bit concerned that, that was um being touted to be uh of concern for schoolies heading up to um heading up on the Gold Coast and similarly when we look at what happened with regard to the Chapel Street incident uh very quickly the media were quick to report on what they believed was in the drugs one journalist believed it to be MDMA laced with GHB which doesn't make a lot of sense and when it like I, I, I wonder when these claims come, 
did they literally just make it up? Did they just ask like somebody who wouldn't have known anyway? Like where does where does this come from? I I, I really don't know. I think I think sometimes it is uh, it is. Uh, coming from first-line responders who may not have the the expertise in the area. They just sort of throw a guess out. Yeah, they're, they're throwing a guess out there. Another, in the Herald Sun, they reported that it was believed to be linked to a bad batch of MDMA, which doesn't make a lot of sense either. And there was a lot bad of conflation batch. between ecstasy and, and MDMA at the time. And at the time, I mean, nobody knew what was actually in these drugs at in Chapel Street. Um, and even when the court case was going through, nobody really knew what was going on, and we've sort of pointed out that this early speculation by the media is not helpful because many of the, particularly when people have died, um, loved ones are looking for information, and, you know, that this information that they're getting from the media may be unhelpful in, in their grieving process. Yeah. And um, it was just quite fortunate that we had a, a number of, uh, concerned members of the community uh, that uh, were able to get the pills tested, and uh, we published uh, we published that information in the AOD Media Watch story. Though around the same time, what was really interesting was a uh, a leaked report from the Victoria Police came out showing the same results. So they yeah. they they knew three they weeks had this before information. we yeah. were actually reporting it on AOD Media Watch. And, and this is the thing we know that Victoria Police have a database uh which which has a bunch of information about drugs uh but they keep this this uh, database secret nobody's allowed to view it um but that information could save lives and it could protect people absolutely and 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 i guess what was good about this particular piece was it led to the victoria police them responding the next day as to why they didn't release this information which we were arguing um could potentially save lives and their Mm. argument was well if we say that this particular batch of pills or uh if this particular batch of pills are harmful then people would believe the rest are safe which doesn't really (laughs) hold a lot of water for most people that i I've spoken to. Like, we're idiots, right? It's, Absolutely. It's very, very patronising. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't think their argument holds a lot of water, but that was, that was um, certainly, it, it showed how AOD Media Watch was able to not just engage with journalists, but, but you know, start engaging with, with some of the issues. The policy field, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've, we've done, as you were talking about, um, uh, festivals, we've done two reports on Rainbow Serpent. One of them looked at um, uh, a story which claimed that the festival was marred by drugs and violence and we uh, we were quite quick to pull that apart looking at the pharmacology of the drugs and also um, as volunteers um, Martin Williams and myself were able to talk about our own experiences there and it being quite in contrast with um, what they were reporting and um, Steph from uh, Harm Reduction Victoria uh, had a look at a piece which uh, was looking at... Um, which was looking at uh, the, the uh, shortening the festival because oh, somebody right. died. Yeah. And, of course, she was quite quick to point out that making the festival shorter would have never prevented the death in the first place. Mm. And in addition to that, um, could in- increase the number of people um, that uh, caught drug driving. Driving when they shouldn't be driving. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, caught caught with, with, with drugs in their system according to the, the saliva swab test. Longer 
is better because people have time. Exactly. So, uh, but but what she was able to do was pull the data from last year's Rainbow Serpent and then compare that with um, the MCG and the Easter sort of fe- fe- mm-hmm. uh, Easter time, and it showed that Rainbow Serpent was 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 minuscule compared to some of these other um, events and uh, you know holidays. Yet it was still you know headline information, and, and this, I think this is what we're seeing with a, a lot of the um, Dorf stories. There's this exaggeration of very um, small amounts of incidents when if if that same kind of um, reporting was applied to any Friday night in a, your local um, town's, uh, you know, party district, you would see that it's much higher. So what, do we need to close down every party district, every sporting event? The, the, I'm sure there's a couple of AFL games on today and I'm sure <laughs> they will have more violence and more drugs than <laughs> of these things. But, you know, it's not talked about because uh, uh, the AFL's got a brand to protect and um, they've got a lot of people in high places. Maybe that's what bush need to do. They need to get into crony capitalism like the rest of Victoria. <laughs> seems just, to be the way it's played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so um you know that that's been some some really good work that we've done. Um, and, and of course, it's often given us time. It's often given us opportunity to to bring up the drug testing debate. Um, the, we've, we've had uh, three stories on the ABC story. Um, uh, what was it? Ice Wars? Ice Wars. Yeah, mm. looking at it from different perspectives. The story that's currently on the homepage is actually written by a consumer who talks about the way the police are... Um, portrayed in the story, which is quite in, in in quite negatively, and you know, here as a consumer looking at that story, would not po- would not approach a police officer based on the way that they were portrayed in the story. Mm. And she sort of t- sort of talks about her own experiences with police, which have been quite positive, and um, other 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 things that were noted in the in the show were that um, that. That there's, you know, that there that there is no ice epidemic, but they were perpetuating this idea of an ice epidemic, um, and that the show was inciting fear and moral panic, which is unhelpful because, as I mentioned before, it perpetuates stigma, and we know that that internalization of stigma among people who use um, drugs leads them to be uh, less likely to access healthcare services, not just AOD treatment, but healthcare services in general. And meanwhile, uh, Gino and Tony Trimmingham um, were quite critical of the series, uh, particularly the ethics with regard to them interviewing a young man and his struggle to deal with his drug and mental health problems while he was clearly uh, non-compass mentis. And how the... Compass mentis, we've got Latin going in here. Yeah, not competent, I assume, again, no, not not competent uh, mentally to be to yeah. be to be able to give consent to 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 do this interview and yeah. and they go on to to really uh, question how the Blacktown Hospital's acute mental health team could have been so complicit in allowing this to happen um, mm. and in that particular piece uh, they they called for the ABC to uh, to actually stop the series, that was that was that was uh, episode one. Mm. Um, but of course, the series continued, and and we've we've so that's because it's continued, and we've seen the new episodes. That's remained uh, a focus of AOD Media Watch. We we have a um, social media site as well, Facebook. So yep. AOD Media Watch, one word. Yep. Easy to find. Follow us. We've got about 600 followers at the moment. And uh, that gives us an opportunity to uh, focus on some of the smaller stories that, that we can't really write a, you know, a 500 
1,000 word expose, expose and just, just put little nuggets of information where there's been poor reporting out mm. to people. And some good examples of that was there was a terrible story uh, published around ketamine uh, as being a, being a very dangerous drug. Um, despite it being used uh, uh, in, in hospitals, in, in hospitals and, and um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's it's, it's deemed of... by paramedics as, as one of an, as an essential medicine because it doesn't cause respiratory depression. Again, it was it was one of these cases where it feels like a lot of the reports on drugs are not really newsworthy, and I don't know I I, I don't know how they they how they're getting through the editors and getting published. This isn't actually news. I I when I I worked for a short time in a uh, commercial radio newsroom. Uh, there were, I think, three things that uh, they really wanted us to focus on for news. Um, it was, you know, call the police, find out if there's been any any crime, uh, like violent crime or whatever. Um, drugs, focus on drugs. And there was um, one other thing as well. I can't remember what the last thing was. But drugs was specifically one of the things. They're like, anytime there's a drug story, get it on there. There is an active campaign in a lot of newsrooms Um uh, across the country to just report everything on drugs. And uh, there was a, a research piece that a guy over in Ireland did uh, a few years uh, back where he looked at, um, he did a meta-analysis of all the media in Ireland uh, around uh, incidents uh, related to, to different drugs. And he found that I think it was every incident where somebody had died um, after taking MDMA had been reported heavily in the media. Yeah. Hardly anything was done for alcohol. So he pointed out that there's this exaggeration effect, which has a flow-on effect in people's minds because Absolutely. then they start to believe what the exaggerated uh, figures are, despite the fact that... Um the, it's, unless, it's exaggeration. unless they're people who use drugs themselves and have a lived experience of the risks, and then they just discredit those kind of messages that come from government and yeah, organisations. And that's one of the dangers of, of the media reporting in this hyperbolic fashion is that it discredits um, it discredits the information among people who you know may have used once or twice, and because what they're seeing compared to what they're reading in the newspaper is quite incongruent. In addition to that, it actually normalises use, and so people will uh, actually believe that the prevalence of use is much higher. If you ask the average person on the street what the prevalence of ice use is, they'll say there's an ice epidemic, everybody's mm. using ice, and it's because of what they're reading in the newspaper. It's uh, it's often called, in, in psychology, we call it the... Um, uh, oh, I can't think of it. A, 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 a colleague once uh, told me it's the, the de denominator effect. That's what he likes to call it. Because people focus on uh, all the things that they see, but without really noticing uh, the denominator. Yep. So yep. Uh, people are scared they're going to die in an air airplane crash because, you know, an air a plane crashes. And what do we see for 48 hours yeah. on, on the news? Nothing but plane crashes. And so people don't realize that they're more likely to die in a car crash than a plane crash, mm. but they're more concerned and they have anxiety about flying. Yep. And you can apply that to, to alcohol and other drugs. AODmediawatch.org is the website. AODmediawatch.org. Com.au, I believe. Um, I should, I should <laughs> hey, I've got this. it in front of me. AODmediawatch.com.au. Yes. And the Facebook <laughs> page is just AODmediawatch, one word. 
and yeah, I'd, I'd um, recommend subscribing to the uh, to the to the Facebook page because it means it'll give you updates on those little stories that are coming through that we that we don't have time to talk about. Yep. And I guess the story that we're we're looking at at the moment, there's two that we we really want to look at uh, in the next week or so. Uh, one is the the wastewater reporting, um, which uh, a number of newspapers came out saying uh, that methamphetamine is the most used drug in Australia, which they <laughs> took directly from a media release from the Australian Crime uh, Commission. Uh, and uh, that's because of within their report, they didn't test for cannabis. Oh, well, <laughs> I suspect that that's probably the but, but, more but with used a, substance. But with a little bit of investigative reporting, I mean, we, we, we would have seen uh, hopefully uh, some better journalism around that. And the other is the story that came out, uh, I believe it came out last night, which uh, says that we're facing a zombie apocalypse. Oh, oh and, swears. Um, and, uh, and, you know, nobody is safe from this. Right. And this was an opinion piece uh, by... Wendy, I can't. Wendy Squires. Wendy Squires. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where do I know that name? She she actually wrote. We might have even reported it on the show on one of the early episodes. She wrote a piece advocating for the legalization of weed and came oh, out okay. as a pot smoker. So there's a little bit of hypocrisy there as well. <laughs> but right. she's she's used a single anecdote and um, you know extrapolated from from that to to. Uh, talk about evidence, and there, again, there's a lot of um, sensationalism. I mean, the, just the, the title is kind of demonstrative of that sensationalism. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what we, we we're really trying to get media to avoid engaging in, because as you mentioned, the sensationalism actually has detrimental effects yeah. on uh, not only people who uh, use drugs, but also people who don't use drugs, because it it gives them an impression of um what it what 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 drugs uh may do to people which is quite incorrect i'm sure some people experience problems with methamphetamine but certainly we we're not facing a zombie apocalypse yeah uh and 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 that's not helpful to be reporting that way no. I, I think for me that article i mean it was so appalling because it was almost the definition of dehumanizing using like it to refer to a person that yeah. she had an interaction uh, with, absolutely. And Regen have um, Regen have uh, quickly put up a, a quick um, uh, a quick response to that, and we've posted that on the AOD Media Watch social media, uh, the AOD Media Watch uh, Facebook. Facebook page. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dr. Stephen Wright, thank you very much uh, for uh, talking to us about AOD Media Watch. Do go and find out more on social media. We're going to have Matt Riley from the uh, Free Cannabis Community, uh, or Yep, yep, free cannabis community um, in, in just a tick uh, to chat with us. The Seven Ups are a Melbourne band and they're launching their second album, Drinking Water, at the Evelyn Hotel on Friday. Uh, it's Afrobeat and deep funk goodness, I'm told. This is The Aviator uh, from their album. On in Psychedelia, 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM Digital, and streaming at the website, 3cr.org.au.
like in Canada and in Australia, they cannot discharge tailings directly into the riverways. But in Pogara, they discharge their tailings in the waterways and they kill us and they say it's okay, you are just being killed for trespassing. Subscribe to 3CR, bringing you voices and opinions the mainstream media don't dare touch. They have the exclusive right to extract the mineral below six feet, but that exclusive right does not permit them also to kill people. Who does the killing? The company has uh, specially arranged security forces. Subscribe today. Call 9 419 8377. Get a healthy dose of anti-nuclear peace and sustainability issues on The Radioactive Show. 10am Saturdays on 3CR Community Radio, 855 on your AM dial. And also podcast and web streamed on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au. The Radioactive Show, where every bit of exposure makes you stronger. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am digital and streaming at the website 3cr.org.au, which is the place to go to find out any more information about anything that you hear on the show uh, today. Uh, If you uh, heard something but you didn't quite catch uh, any of the links, get onto Facebook or Twitter and find us and uh, you can get in contact with us and ask us any question that you might have or um, send us an email uh, if there's anything that we've missed that maybe you think we should be watching. Uh, Right now in the studio we have Matt Riley from the Free Cannabis Community or the... uh, Sorry, uh, the Melbourne Free, Free Cannabis Community Incorporated. Yeah, that's that- it. <laughs> <laughs> so hi, tell- hi, hi, Matt. Um, how are you this afternoon? Great, thanks. Yeah. Cheers. I heard there was a, a bit of wild traffic out Hoddle Street Way. <laughs> there's something going on. I, I thought it must have been Monday, but <laughs> football perhaps. Yeah, it's probably the football. That, that tends to kill Hoddle Street because it's pretty yep. easy to... And now, so, Incorporated, tell us about what's been going on with the Free Cannabis Community. Uh, well... I guess we're moving it up to the next level now. So we're uh, forming official um, structures, getting all of that in place so that uh, we can start uh, getting more active um, in developing resources. So, so what's, the, uh, what's the plan now that the, uh, you have the Certificate of Incorporation? Um, what's next on the agenda I mean, obviously, the 420 picnics will continue, and it's nearly... Yep. We've got um, only, well, what's actually, today, 19, 18 days away from April 20th, the yeah. official 420. Yeah, well, actually, we've finished the 420 picnics for the summer with just the rally oh, the rally course. to go. So, um, uh, And then winter is a bit too cold to, to yes. get out in the, in the park. But, um, uh, okay, we, we're looking at opening up a community centre uh, in Collingwood. Yep. Um, and uh, as well as, you know, a number of other, there's a few possible festivals or events being uh, discussed um, in, you know, over the next six months or so. Uh, I'm not organising them, but I am uh, sort of helping guide them along. Um, but, yeah, the community centre is the, the main goal. And uh, so we'll be launching uh, a website, I believe. I've said that once before on yeah, this I think, show. Is, there a, is the website up at the moment or is there... Not the, uh, 
No, it's not. It will be in the next day or or, or three. I'm just sorting the domain <laughs> yeah. name out. Uh, it's, yep. pre- it's just it's just about uh, so ready to go up. Can't even give you a URL yet, but uh, watch out social media and we'll, we'll post that. Or find Free Cannabis Community on, on Facebook Yeah, um, and then you'll find out It'll about the website. It'll either be uh, com or melbournefcc.com.au. Mm, you could probably get both. Well, I think we, yeah, we could. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so plans are underway to get the uh, community centre yep. uh, happening, and I know this has been—I mean, it's a long project. It takes a long time to get these yeah. things to uh, to happen, but um, oh. it's working toward certainly working toward it. Yep. Um, so, what's uh, in in terms of the um, uh, of of the community? How how has the community been uh, responding to? The, the conversation change around cannabis in this mainstream media? Well, yeah, the environment's changed. Um, given the uh, media that we had over sort of uh, December, November, December, and then early January, um, which is why now is such a good time to start focusing on the community centre where we can uh, continue to build the community now that... Um, the police directive has sort of put a dampener on the uh, 420 picnics. Mm. And it, uh, just, to, just a reminder for those that might not be aware, uh, there was a Herald Sun story, I believe it was, um, that focused on the 420 picnics um, that had been occurring every month for what? How many years now have you been doing? It's been... Oh, in various forms since 2010. Yeah, so it's uh, been going for a long time, but apparently Herald Sun are a bit late to the uh, late to the plate and they just found out this was happening and went, oh my God, there's yeah. people smoking the weed. And, yeah, well, um, that, that res- resulted in, uh, you know, the, the public getting upset about, well, I got it speeding fine for going three k's <laughs> over the limit and yeah. yet those guys are smoking weed what's going on yeah yeah that uh, uh i mean uh, to some extent i i sort of understand when people are, say, are pointing out that there you know there are sort of some ridiculous inconsistencies with the way that things are policed at the moment but it's kind of a bit petty it's kind of like oh well i get my punishment so you should have yours for the thing that you're doing wrong it's like well yeah. following their logic they could say, well, we're going to drive 20Ks over the limit to protest the speeding laws. And that's, you know, that's not what the picnics are all about. Yes, we're protesting the laws, but we're doing it in a way that's totally non-confrontational and yeah. and peaceful. We're not causing any dramas or, or danger for anyone. The, the thing that's uh, stuck out about the uh, free cannabis community, that you, you go along to the 420 picnics and it's really just people hanging out. There's a bit of music sometimes. Yep. Uh, sometimes somebody gets up and has something to say, but usually it's just people hanging out and it's never a, you know, there's never any incidents at these, uh, at these events. It's that's it. Without incident, uh, good afternoons. Well, I mean, the reality is that the drug laws target people um, so the the purpose of the picnics, uh, or the purpose of the whole free cannabis community, is to promote the people and to, um, you know, help overcome the effects yeah. of prohibition. We're not about promoting cannabis or yeah. or uh, any it's, other drugs. It's we, sort of pointing out that a, a person who might uh, occasionally use cannabis is not a pothead; they're a person. <laughs> well, That's... even if they're a pothead, they're still a person. Well, yes. <laughs> it's just, but it's taking the focus away from, um, we often have a have a, a language of stigmatisation around yep. um, drugs and, and we kind of um, associate 
we, we create an identity around people that take drugs and say, oh, you know, the, the drug sort of takes control and there's a lot of, I mean, even the crime of possession, yeah. possession like possession, like a demon gets in you, like the demon weed gets in you, and, yeah. you know, it's taken over and like the, it's it's um very bizarre. So it's it's taking it back and, and, and just a reminding you that it's people. just a technique to enable society to, you know, dismiss or... Uh... Yeah, exactly. It is very dismissive. So yeah. what's going to happen at the April 20 event then? Uh, look, the, the police have their instructions. Um, if people are smoking weed in front of them, they have to intervene. But having said that, the police have been fantastic. Uh, at the last picnic, for example, um, w- they know that we're making a point of not smoking in front of police purely as a show of respect and also because there's no uh, no gain Nothing to, to be, be gained yeah. yeah no gain to be made by getting arrested exactly mm. um and uh yeah they've, they've been really good they they actually uh spoke to me before they left last time and and told me look we're going away now um but if we do get phone calls saying people are smoking weed in the park we're gonna have to come back now we'll park <laughs> over there and we'll walk over slowly <laughs> So just make sure no one upsets us when we get here, They've, which is, you cannot ask for better than that. They've mm. been really, really good. Um, and I, I really appreciate the, the and approach the police have t- that's, taken. Perhaps that's yeah. another reality that doesn't get um, doesn't get shown in the, uh, in the mainstream media picture because you'll often get some top cop who's not even out on the field, really, and he'll make, uh, you know, big gusto, uh, bravo comments, blah, 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 about how bad uh, cannabis is or blah, blah. Uh, but it's the cops that are actually on the, on the beat, the ones that are there, the people that you're actually speaking to, yep. everybody's always like, everyone's getting along, the cops were great. It's There's not actually that confrontation. It's it's trumped up in the media just to, to make it look like there's this big thing going on. That's right. When really, it's it's that's not happening. Well, I've, I've watched the progression over the years, and initially, if, if police came past, the crowd would sort of do this panic, and, and uh, everyone would sit on their stash and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and it's gotten to the point now where... Uh, you know the crowd. The, the police are saying, "All right, guys, catch you later." And the crowd's yelling back, "You know, thanks for coming. See you later." Like it's all very friendly and cooperative. It's really, it's really good. I'm really pleased with the way that's developed. Mm. Um, yeah, and I've th- there's been no one, no one's created a drama. We haven't had any uh, any anti-police sentiment going on, and, and the police have responded really well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's another thing that can happen sometimes when you do have uh, something that is um, uh, controversial. Sometimes people get it in their head that the best way is to be confrontational, um, is to is to get uh, antagonistic and to, to sort of push at the issue because it's like, oh, you're imposing on my rights. Yeah. But that's not helpful. No. Well, it's sort of, of people feel like they're backed up in a corner perhaps and mm. they've got no uh, choice but to... Um... <laughs> Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and, and and that's right. It's not helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for yeah the uh, for, wait, April twentieth. Um, what is the plan for the day? Well, we're going ahead as per normal. Um, I think the crowd Flagstaff. at Flagstaff Gardens. Yep. I think uh, you know the, the numbers will probably be down a bit. I. It's a Thursday, isn't it? It's a Thursday. Not that that matters. We had five and a half thousand on a Tuesday last year. Mm. I think. Um, I don't think we'll get the same numbers this year but we'll, it'll still be a big day there'll still be a lot of people in the park uh and i expect uh the police will be really reasonable again 
Yep, I suspect that's probably going to be the case. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll uh, be heading down there. I think it's uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of days because, of course, the day before is Bicycle Day, the uh, celebration yep. of uh, the discovery of the uh, psychoactive effects of LSD anyway. Um, and uh, the Psychedelic Society will be having an event. Um, and then, yeah, day after is 420. It's a bit of a, a drug week that week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what week isn't? Come on. <laughs> that's what happens. Um, yeah. Um, we have seen as well, like, we'll just touch a little bit maybe on the uh, medical cannabis thing, because um, I know yep. you've, you've got some um, opinions about this. And, we, you know, we've seen a lot of media about it. We've seen, uh, I think, the, the government spent, what, a million dollars to get uh, cannabis for 27 people or something like that, mm-hmm. or 33, some ridiculously low number, and you go, wow, that's... And the cannabis that they're getting is um, uh, synthetic cannabinoids, generally, um, I think. Well, pharmaceutical, I... I... I mean, I, I think the look. I'm. I don't know all the details of that, but uh, it's set up in such a way that uh, they're trying to create a stigma against you know the raw, crude yeah. plant product. Which uh, yeah, you it, know, there's all sorts of excuses as to why they're saying that that's not a suitable product to use for medical purposes. But you know, the anecdotal evidence is that it. It's, there's no dangers. Uh, well, not no... just an- anecdotal, but um, mm. I, I, my understanding is that there's evidence that shows that something, and, and maybe this is something that we forget, when when uh, when you take a pharmaceutical medication, those drugs have been made from plant or herbal backgrounds. Um, what's happened is a, a lot of the uh, medicines that people use traditionally work from plants or herbs or whatever, and um, uh, when as modern modern uh, science has been able to take things and analyse it and get down to the very specific parts, you can make a, a part of it very um, useful for one specific thing. So you can extract something from this plant and then you can use it for something very specific or then you can analyse what the chemistry of it is and then do something slightly different, synthesise things all around it um but uh it's sort of it's sort of um there's been this this thinking that's put herbs and plants on the on the wayside and people sort of think of it as woo if you're talking about plant medicine but that's where medicine was from and they're still very useful for a number of things and 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 one of the things about uh i I mean it's it's not as um it's not as specific as something that is specifically made for a task like a a pharmaceutical medication um and plants because they're grown in the you know out in the in the dirt they're always going to have um slightly different consistencies and whatnot but when it comes to Cannabis, it's got all sorts of different cannabinoids in there, and it's something about that arrangement of all of them. Um, helps. And the terpenes, and yeah, you know, all the, the there's other a whole things. range of different things in cannabis. But, and and the, I think the general consensus amongst the uh, cannabis community around the world is that whole plant medicine works better than extracts. Exactly. Um, and for a number of people, I mean, I'm sure for some people, um, very specific cannabinoids for very specific things might be able to do something slightly better. But, you know, that's. I well, think from the clinical side of it, it's going to take a very long time to kind of iron that, that stuff out. And this is where geno- modern genomics is playing a role. For example, the actual clinical trials from pharmaceutical companies in the UK found that um, CBD as an extract um, was very useful in reducing the symptoms in severe epilepsy and Dravet syndrome. But in a very small amount of people, it actually increased the symptoms. Now, right. that it's, it's possible that genetic testing could figure out in advance which patients would benefit and which ones weren't. Now, the, the argument there when it comes to the consumer groups is that we don't have time to wait. 
So mm. when there's going to be a significant improvement in most people, the tendency should be to make it available. Exactly. And that's that's where it's stumped at at the moment. We're just about out of time, Matt, but um, anybody that wants any more information can find the Free Cannabis Community on Facebook. Yep, there's uh, Free Cannabis Community or the Free Cannabis Victoria Group. Yes, so go find out. Uh, April 20th is only uh, two and a half weeks away. If it's something that you're interested in, make sure to uh, uh, to keep a watch on it. Flagstaff Gardens is where the uh, celebrations will be. From what time as well? Uh, starting about two. I'm sure there'll be people there earlier. And uh, Daylight Savings is now finished. So we'll be done probably by about six or so when it gets dark. Excellent. We are out of here for the afternoon. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. Queering the Air is up next on 3CR Community Radio. Uh, Do find us online. Get in contact with us. We want to hear from you. See you later. This is In Psychedelia. Comments, complaints or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. 3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. You've been listening to a 3CR community radio podcast of Encyclopedia. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.